Good, good morning, fellow explorers. Welcome to the Positivity Pop-Up. This is Sunday, April 30th. And uh, we have got some fun stories for you today. Um, I might be flying solo this morning, friends, so that's fun. It's been a while since we've done that. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. If you are new here, my name is Siren Murr. I am one of the co-creators, co-hosts of, oh, and co-owners of Siren Soapbox podcast, where we work to get people out of their comfort zones. And every week on Sunday morning at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time, I am live on Podbean to help you start your week off with some positive news stories. And today is no exception. Also, if you're listening to this right now, like uh, Markitech 2000 is, then you are hearing this live. And if you are listening to this after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, April 30th, then uh, you are listening to this post live and it has not been edited. So Hope you enjoy all of the fumbles and all of the mistakes and all of the fun, because that's really what this is. It's all about fun. So today is Sunday, April 30th, and today is national, amongst other things, National Oatmeal Cookie Day, National Raisin Day, and National Preparation Day. Now, two of those things go together pretty well. In fact, I might make oatmeal raisin cookies at some point today. Um, National Preparation Day is a little different, and that is about making sure that you and your family are prepared in the event of a natural disaster. So I um, encourage you to come up with a safety plan with your, with your family and understand what you're going to do if there's a fire in your house or something like that. If you need to get out, what's your escape plan? Go over it with your family so that everyone can be safe in the event of a, an accident. All right. I have a few stories for you this morning that are sure to bring a smile to your face. The first one comes from us, comes to us rather from the Smithsonian Magazine. This is a story about Willard Wiggin, and he is a, an artist who creates tiny masterpieces that fit inside the eye of a needle. So you have to have basically a microscope to see these things. I mean, that's a, that is exactly how he creates them. He creates them using a microscope. He likes to recreate masterpieces like the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper. Oh my gosh, there will be a link to this story in our description of this episode. You have got to check out this guy's work. I mean, his his recreation of the Last Supper alone is just amazing, and it sure is sitting right inside of the eye of a needle. It's unbelievable. So I hope you'll check out check that out. He also does um, some sculptures of famous people like Albert Einstein and Robin Hood. Again, they're microscopic. So. His new show, it's called Miniature Masterpieces. It's currently on display at Walletton Hall in Nottingham, England, and it will be there through October. The free exhibition features 20 tiny sculpture, sculptures. Four of the sculptures 
in in this um, show, Miniature Masterpiece, are new works that are part of Wigan's Disappearing World collection, which is meant to highlight the threats facing biodiversity and encourage environmentalism, which is perfect for April. Um, one piece depicts a tiny Tyrannosaurus rex, a complement to the real fossilized T-Rex that the museum displayed a few years ago. Now, as you can imagine, this work takes a very steady hand because it's so tiny. He uses breathing exercises to help center himself. Sometimes these sculptures are painted with just a single eyelash, and he will create these sculptures out of kind of anything. He actually holds the Guinness World Record for the smallest sculpture. It's of a human embryo, and it's made out of a single fiber of his carpet, and it fits inside a hollowed out piece of Wiggins hair. Wild. So obviously, because they're so tiny, this is very delicate work. And one time, after spending a week working on an Alice in Wonderland scene, his phone rang. It startled him. He did a big inhale. And Alice went straight down his throat. <laughs> a week's worth of work gone. But we wouldn't want you to miss out on all the amazing things he was able to create. So if you are um, if you're not in England and you can't make it to, to the um, Walletton Hall, then at least check out the link in this description so you can see some of these amazing works of art. Our next story comes to us out of Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, to be specific. So, oh, you know what? We're going we're gonna to pause. We're going to come back to that one. We're going to come back to that one. Let's skip that one and go on to a story from NBC News out of New York. They are reporting on a study that just might prove that performing random acts of kindness could help fight depression. And this is according to a study out of The Ohio State University and published in the Journal of Positive Psychology. Dave, David Craig... PhD, a clinical psychologist and co-author of the study, told Today in a segment that aired on January 20th that social connection seems to be one of the most powerful ingredients in a flourishing life. The study authors go on to write, we demonstrated that performing acts of kindness promotes social connection, a construct that is a key predictor of both well-being and recovery from anxiety and depressive disorders. So the way this study worked is they had 122 participants, all with high-level anxiety or depression system, symptoms, rather, and they were split into three groups. Two of the groups were assigned to practice CBT techniques, such as planning social activities. And the third group was assigned to engage in random acts of kindness. Now the the participants in this group were asked to perform three to perform three small acts of kindness two days a week for five weeks. And today reported that they did things like they baked cookies for friends, they would smile at strangers, they would volunteer. 
Jennifer Chevens, who is a PhD and a professor of psychology at The Ohio State University, also a study co-author, told Today that, quote, folks who participated in the Acts of Kindness group reported that they felt less stressed, or I'm sorry, less depressed and anxious, end quote. So the study authors found that while all three groups reported experiencing greater life satisfaction and a reduction in depression and anxiety symptoms, the participants in the Acts of Kindness group definitely showed the most improvement. So that is very positive news. Um, I know I personally am always feeling, it always makes me feel better to put a smile on someone else's face. And apparently there is now science to back that up. So that's pretty cool. All right, moving on to our next story. So last week we talked to you a little bit about sargasm and how it's being used um, in as a biodegradable plastic. This week, sargasm made it into the news again, um, but this time it's being used to make bricks for construction. Omar de Jesus Vasquez Sanchez is making bricks out of sargasm that are expected to uphold for 120 years. It's pretty impressive. The Mexican government, they clean up around 40,000 tons, tons of sargasm seaweed each year. And it seems to be quite a nuisance. Um, Omar himself had a pretty rough childhood, and it, which eventually devolved into him struggling with a drug addiction and being sort of an outcast member of society. And in 2015, he found himself cleaning up sargasms or sargasm, rather, on the beaches of Riviera Maya, a job that wealthy people paid laborers like Omar to handle because it was also a nuisance. So he saw the sargasm in a similar light to the way he felt like he was viewed when he was an addict. He says, quote, when you have problems with drugs and alcohol, you're viewed as a problem for society. No one wants anything to do with you. They look away. That's what Omar told Christian Science Monitor in a translated interview. He goes on to say, When sargasm started arriving, it created a similar reaction. Everyone was complaining. I wanted to mold something good out of something everyone saw as bad. And that he did. He founded the company Sargablock, which fires the sargasm into building material. Each brick contains 40% sargasm. Since 2021, Omar's company has used 6,000 pounds of sargasm to create these these sustainable bricks. So that's pretty impressive. Great job, Omar. And way to go making something useful and beautiful out of stinky, stinky seaweed. (laughs) We appreciate you. All right, now our last story comes from us out of Brazil. We are going back to the story. Um, In Brazil, Rio de Janeiro specifically, there is a tree frog that has been documented acting as a pollinator for the milk fruit tree. So this little orangish brown frog feasts on the nectar of the milk fruit tree flower. 
It climbs inside of the flower, leaving only its little tiny frog bud exposed, and it laps up all of the delicious nectar. Then the frog climbs out and moves on to the next flower, some similar to what a bumblebee would do. And just like a bumblebee, when the frog climbs out of the milk fruit tree flower, it is covered in pollen. So the frog moves on to the next flower and is essentially pollinating the, the milk fruit tree. Dr. Luis Felipe Toledo and his team documented this symbiotic relationship between frog and tree for the very first time. So it has been observed, but it's not exactly proven yet. They, they think that it's highly likely that these frogs are in fact pollinating the milk fruit tree, but confirming the discovery could add an amphibian to the surprisingly diverse list of recently discovered pollinators. So there are pollinating rats, cockroaches, and even lizards. I found that fascinating, and it sort of helps us um, keep our minds open when it comes to what types of animals we need to help us pollinate food, help us keep our, our food supply alive. Sorry, friends, I needed a coffee break. Whew, that's some good stories. And of course, we couldn't leave you without some jokes. Um, and what better way than to leave you with some frog jokes? Why are frogs so happy? Um, because they eat whatever bugs them. <laughs> One of these days, all right, by the end of May, I'm going to get a sound effect in here so that you guys have a, uh, a cue to laugh in case you don't find the jokes funny. <laughs> what happens when two frogs collide? They get tongue-tied. <laughs> How does a frog feel when he has a broken leg? Unhoppy. <laughs> Why did the frog read Sherlock Holmes? Well, that's easy. He loved a good croak and dagger. <laughs> and finally, what happened to the frog's car when his parking meter expired? Um, it got towed. T-O-A-D, towed. <laughs> and here are some fascinating facts about frogs that uh, you probably didn't know. I have this in the form of some trivia questions. So I'm going to just go ahead and ask them that way. There are more than how many species of frogs? That answer is 6,000. So many different species of frogs. And you can find frogs on all continents except one. Do you know which one that is? If you guessed Antarctica, you guessed correctly. What do we call a group of frogs? Now we established on Siren Soapbox this week that a group of squid is called a squad or a squadron. Well, a group of frogs is called an army. 
Next question, can a frog eat with its eyes open? Now you may be saying, Mer, the fact that you're asking me that question makes me think, no, they probably can't. And you would be correct. A frog cannot keep its eyes open when eating. According to the American Museum of Natural History, quote, when a frog swallows food, it pulls its eyes down into the roof of its mouth, and the eyes help push the food down its throat, end quote. Weird, fascinating, creepy, and amazing. Do frogs have teeth? Now, again, you may be asking yourself or maybe saying to yourself, Mer, the fact that you are asking me if frog have teeth makes me want to say, yeah, yeah, they do. And uh, again, you would be correct. The small teeth on the roof of their mouths are not typically used to bite or chew, but they keep the frog's dinner from escaping before it's had a chance to swallow it. However, if a frog does feel threatened or you hand feed a pet frog, certain species have been known to bite. And our last question is, does a frog drink water? And the answer to that is no, a frog does not drink water. It is absorbed through their skin. So it's important for them to have a nice moist environment to hang out in. Well, that is all I have for you guys today. Short and sweet, to the point, made you smile. I know I did. So mission accomplished for the day. Happy Sunday, April 30th. The next time we see you, it will be May. The year will have been a third of the year over, which is unbelievable. I cannot believe that we're we're going into May tomorrow, but we are. And we have a really cool show for you coming up this week. We are going to record about our experience with our Earth Day Challenge. Hopefully some of you joined us there. So we're going to be talking about all the impacts we made during this month. And we get to talk with um, our friend Danelle. I hope she's going to be joining us to talk about her experience with the, with the challenge. And we'll catch you back here next Sunday with another positivity pop-up. But until then, dive in, stay curious. And be happy and have a great day and a great week. Bye, friends.